love your child, learn your child. And even if they aren't what you expected them to be, there's beauty and there's purpose in every child. And what you do with them and how you engage them and how you react to them and showing them a lot of grace and showing yourself a lot of grace is going to last a lifetime. Ever wish you could become a better asset for your toddler's growth and development? Hi, I'm Shantae. Welcome to Parenting Special Needs Live. That's what we're gonna be talking about today. We know parents are super busy um, and those raising a toddler as well and don't have much time, but we know that they want to see results um, develop. Well, if that is you, listen up because today we've asked Sharina Williams to join us. Sharina Williams is a licensed speech and language pathologist who specializes in strategies to enhance um, the early intervention experience for parents that will benefit their children. So um, I've asked her to join us today and talk with us about, you know, what we can do and welcoming Sharina to the show. Welcome Sharina, thank you for being with us. Thank you, hi everybody. I am so glad to be here. Thank you. So how, um, you know, what should families do like first, let's let's start there. Like what should families do if they suspect? Because I wanna sometimes, and this might not be something you can answer, but sometimes I notice like parents, not parents, but relatives will say they're noticing something, but the parents won't like, you know, don't kind of connect. So what should family members, and that might not be fair, but what, what should parents do? And then what maybe should parent fans, family members do? <laughs> tongue-tied this morning no worries so that's a great question this is the deal we expect our little ones to develop and hit certain milestones at certain ages and when we notice that maybe those milestones aren't being met and we're not talking in this case about walking and crawling those are a bit more obvious Speech and language tends to be a bit more subtle. The reason why is because we expect our little infants, once they hit that toddler age, to kind of grow at their own pace, or sometimes we can have the attitude that they will catch up. Or if it's a first child, we may not even know what to expect as far as what they should be doing. And so a lot of times from the parent perspective, either they have a community of friends around or um, they have nieces and nephews and they notice that maybe their child isn't doing what the other children are doing. And so there comes the questions and a few things come out of this when there's those kind of questions. One, should I wait and see? Two, are they kind of moving at their own pace or three, um, am I kind of just, should I just kind of like let things slide and pretend like it's kind of not going on? Um, with more information, more pediatricians are asking more questions to make sure that these milestones are being met. But in this case, this is a lot of times what I see parents saying and hear parents saying. For the family members who notice, um, that's a tricky position to put yourself in, right? Yeah. Because you don't want to be the judge. You don't want to be that person that's like, I notice such and such isn't talking or they're not following directions or they're doing this or I've seen a kid that looks like that. And and it almost 
creates a dynamic in the relationship that can be uncomfortable because as parents, we want to cover and protect our children. And when we hear that something adverse to like what's normal is happening, defense mechanisms automatically come up because we're supposed to protect. And so if you're supposed to protect, then you're gonna wanna defend. And so I say for those family members who do notice something, sometimes, sometimes the best way is to either provide information gently with that conversation like make sure your relationship you have that kind of rapport with that person like if you guys know that you have that relationship to where it's already kind of like frictiony and it's not that great then i probably wouldn't i would probably hold back and maybe send over like some polite information and just say hey i came across this just make sure whatever place you come from come from a place of love because these are people's little people and it can, a parent can get really dismissive if they hear you saying for the first time, I notice. And if the parent has already noticed themselves and are having kind of like difficulties coming to grips that things aren't developing the way that they should, then they really need a gentle hand during this time to say, hey, um, I noticed this is going on, not, I, you know, Timmy's not talking like the other kids. Like that's the wrong thing to say. And that's the quickest way to get a parent to shut you down. So what would you say? So say it again, break that, just that little part down again. So if I'm the friend that sees something or I'm the aunt, yeah. let's just say yeah. I'm the aunt and I see something. So you would say, how would you phrase it in the, in the conversation? Like, because I, I see you're right. They do get defensive and you don't want to say anything like, oh, I know, you know, I noticed. Right. Because that would turn them totally off. But right. what, how would you say it again? How would you recommend us doing it? Like just kind of, um, hey, I mean, what would you say? You had the words. I noticed, right? I noticed maybe instead of making it a general thing, like stay away from comparison, right? Because everybody uses language differently. And I think my point is just stay away from comparing that child to what you see the other kids doing. I noticed that such and such as kids do all of this and little Timmy is doing not doing this. That is really hard for a parent to hear their child being compared to another child, but maybe something to the effect of, I noticed that Timmy isn't really using words to talk to you or to talk to me. Like, is this something that you're normally seeing or like, are they just shy in public? Are they using words at home? And that just kind of lightens the conversation to where there's not a comparison and it opens up that door for the parent and that family member to have an intelligent conversation around what they're seeing. Now you still might get some level of defensiveness, but at least you know you're coming in from a perspective of, I notice your child specifically, not compared to what the other children are doing or staying away from, why isn't he talking? Because the parent may not know that answer either. So asking that question, asking the question, why aren't they using their words? Why are they behaving like this? A lot of times, especially with first time parents and even second time parents, they may not know. And so we have to be extremely careful as to how we answer or ask that question, um, just so we're avoiding any kind of defense from the perspective of the parent. Yeah, so now would you, how do you recommend um, parents and families build strong relationships with um, children that are wired differently? So 
let's get clear about like being differently wired. Like I understand like this is parenting special needs. And so your audience has to have like some kind of level of like knowledge around what that means. When I think about differently wired, that means the child is probably not learning the same way that we have our established developmental norms, our typical norms, right? And so some kiddos learn through just overhearing, imitation, observing. That's how most kids learn. They observe for that first year, they use their first words, and then it builds from there because they're labeling what they've seen in context. Some kiddos don't learn that way. They learn through do, the things that they do, what's in their environment, through their own tinkering. Um, sometimes they may appear a little bit more disconnected. It might seem like socially, if you get into their space, they don't necessarily love you getting into that space because it's interpreted differently. And so the first thing that I recommend is learn your child, observe your child. Not what you expect your child to be like as far as what other kids are doing, but how your child learns. Is your child passive? Are they more reserved? Are they, um, are they high energy? Do they like a lot of movement? Do they kind of like to observe things? And by observing those kinds of things, that helps us learn how they connect, even through their play. Right. If they enjoy kind of crashing and banging things together, if they enjoy like if I drop this toy down and then pick it up, do they crack up and then they do it again? And like, do they enjoy those kinds of things? And so that's what I really mean by learning your child, learning who they are so you can meet them where they are in order to make that connection, especially if they're not connecting in a way that is traditional that we would expect if we put this toy in front of them, they're, they're more than willing to not only imitate our words, but also participate in that play. But what if maybe they're willing to participate in the play, but not necessarily imitating? How do we like navigate through those situations? Like, do we model the language? You know, do we, do we bombard them with a lot of language? I, I tend to say stay away from that because that's just overwhelming. Do we try to keep it as conversational as possible to where even if they aren't responding to us, still keeping our questions open-ended and being comfortable sometimes with the silence that comes with that. And so that's what I mean by connecting with them where they are, just getting comfortable with that space, meeting them, and then navigating to build language in and to build, honestly, interaction, especially with toddlers, because most of the things that they're learning at that age all has to do with social language development. Okay, so now um, you have a book out, right? Is your, does your book teach these um, things to parents? Can you so, tell us about your book? Absolutely. So watch me connecting to your child through play is a quick on-the-go guide for parents. And I wrote this book because when I was a clinician, I would hear the same questions over and over and over again. And I just felt like there was a gap in learning for parents. Either they felt ill-equipped or they felt like the information wasn't being given or they knew that there was a delay, but they didn't know what that quite meant, like in real time. Like there's a difference between learning, like I have a delay, but that delay means this, this and that. Right. And so I created this book as a quick way for parents to connect with their child through play um, to connect in real time and not just connecting with their child through play, even how to change the environment. 
um, before facilitating and navigating play, because sometimes we take that for granted. Like if we have a play space that has things everywhere, then it's going to be hard if we are having a hard time getting attention and focus from our child to get them to attend and focus on one thing if we have things everywhere. But also the book is a guide for developmentally what to expect and to be able to like in real time check off this is what my child is doing this is what we need to work on and this is how we do it but again it goes back to the word i can't overemphasize enough quick because i know that we're in a time to where we don't have hours to sit down and read a whole book in theory and all of these things that come behind it but just what do i need what do i need to do and how do i do it and that's what the book is designed to do um and it's really great because I've heard parents who have children with um, special needs and without special needs saying, I can apply this. I can apply this to my children without special needs. I can apply this to my child with special needs just because it really does encompass and embody learning how to connect with your child, learning how to play with your child, learning how to meet them where they are, no matter where they are, and be able to build up that relationship, build up that rapport, and really own being their first teacher in a fun, effective way without feeling like, oh my gosh, this is too overwhelming. I can't do it. And I'm not a therapist or I'm not trained. I can totally get in there and read the the book and, and get through it. And it's no more than like a 30 minute to a one hour read. Wow. No, and I was thinking that it would be helpful when you were talking before, before that, that question about the book, because when you were talking about toddlers, I was going back in my own mind and you know, even understanding the different things like you were saying it because you're a professional and you're, you deal with it. And I can understand because I'm in the business a little bit and I also have a child, but I'm thinking young parents that only have a toddler, they're not going to necessarily know or understand that you even have to observe play so much like we do. You know what I mean? So that is a whole learning curve. Like, because you, you know, I mean, most, we haven't played in years. I can remember when I was, when my kid was little, like I had forgotten how to play, you know what yes. I mean? And then all of a sudden I'm expected to like, um, and they're like, okay, we'll go home and play with her. And I'm like, all right, I don't even know how you play with Barbies anymore. I've forgotten, you know what I mean? Because I've been in the business world, I've been doing this. So I think little tips like to let parents know like, hey, there are certain ways to do things, even if it's just simplified, you know what I mean? But that's still something that we need to learn because we've been out of it for a long time. I totally agree 100% that we have gotten away from like learning how to engage with our kids. And now it's so scary, the idea of just like getting down and playing. What does that even look like? Does play look like I sit down with you and tell you what to do? Um, I talk about that in the book. Like we try not to take over because if we take over the play, then guess what? That's the best way to lose our play partner, right? <laughs> Can you imagine being that person in the room and this one person is taking over the conversation or taking over the workload when it's supposed to be project-based? That's what play is like for our little ones. Like this is their ground. This is where they're learning, but we have have not only the opportunity, but also the advantage of getting in there and observing how they play and even navigating that to make it a fun experience without feeling like I have this motive coming in. I want to make you use these words or I want to question you on everything to test your knowledge like that only goes so far. And so my goal is and what my goal, my goal with the book and what my overall goal is is to really have parents see from a perspective of let's treat our little people as people 
and let's get into more of an engagement instead of being so worried about the pre-academics let's take advantage of that time to where they are young and enjoy ourselves with them and build up that social time with them and build up that social language because honestly that last that foundation of social language that we build with them from really from birth to around 42 months that stuff lasts a lifetime and if you keep them until kindergarten that's foundationally what they're going to take with them to school and so whatever they're enacting at school is the things that foundationally they've learned at home it's not the other way around we don't teach the social skills at school we bring what we've learned from home at school and so that's why sitting down on the floor playing, even if it's just building blocks together, even if it's driving side by side together, just having that connectedness with letting our inhibitions go, because it does take some time to let those inhibitions go to just get in there and foster and nurture that very precious time. Right. And I, I want to just point out to you, because I have an older child, but I think it's so important, those social skills and that learning, because if not, they go in with a deficit and they never can gain that deficit. Like, you know, I used to say with my daughter, like her friends were her therapists. Well, therapists don't play the same way as typical kids. And uh -huh. therefore they're always lacking that experience. So they have got to get that opportunity to, to really play and learn to share. Cause you'll have like nowadays, I mean, in the special needs world, you'll have people that are, you know, 13 years old and don't know how to share because they've never had to experience it when they were little, you know? Yeah. So I think it's super important to kind of make sure that they, they get those experiences so that they can build. Absolutely. And even coming down to like the simplistic, like one of the first things I see, if I see a kid who I like to call a toy hoarder, right? <laughs> they just to share, right? If I see them even as early as like 16 months, if I see that like there's a hard time sharing, that's going to be one of the first things that I break down because we have to cooperate. Sharing is a cooperation. Like that's, the foundation of cooperating forever, right? We don't, I always say, we don't want school to be the first place where our child hears no. That's rough on the child and that's even tougher on you and it's horrible for the teacher. Like all parties involved, nobody's a winner in that situation when the child never hears no, because as soon as they hit school, that peer, the first thing they're gonna hear as soon as a boundary is crossed is no, stop, or something negating the behavior that they're seeing. And so as soon as I see a little one who cannot share, the first thing I'm going in and doing is, how can I make you share? My turn, your turn. And I will allow the toddler to cry through play because I'm like, you have to learn this skill. And even if I touch the toy for one second, half second and give it back to him, I'm celebrating. Yay, you did it. My turn, your turn, my turn, your turn. But the thing is, like when it comes down to the parent and comes down to the adult, if if you feel like you're being rejected during play, one, nobody really ever wants to be wants to acknowledge like they're being rejected by a toddler. It happens all the time. <laughs> Even typically developing toddlers, they're going to reject you. But it's really hard to deal with the fact that, hey, my toddler might reject me. They might not want me to touch that toy. They might not be happy with that. But let's switch it over to the child who's neurodivergent and has like meltdowns, welling on the floor, cutting up, trying to like pull your hair, bite your teeth, like the whole nine. Like if you have that situation, that's when it's even more crucial to really enforce, hey, it's okay to share. I know it might be uncomfortable. I might be feeling a little bit rejected 
at this point and, and have some feelings that I'm going to have to deal with on the back end. But I need you to get this skill. I need you to be cool with, hey, this is something that's going to help you. I know it doesn't feel right. I know it doesn't look right. And that's when we're treating our child like a person and acknowledging their feelings and saying at the same time, but you still have to do it. We all have to do things in life that we don't necessarily love. But at the end of the day, it's going to make us better for the long run. And so I would say in those moments, in those cases where if you are being rejected, and this is even for the old, the kids, the parents of older kids to where you may not have had the chance to really get in there when they were young, but even as they're older and as stuff has gotten reinforced, I know the more it gets reinforced, the more difficult it is. But if you can still get in there and be like, you know what, I'm going to change things up a bit because we still have time until you're out my house and, and on doing whatever you're going to do. We still have time. Right. And so that's when I would still get in there. And that's why I say the book is definitely geared to toddlers and, and parents for families of toddlers, but it is applicable across families who need that extra support on what the heck do I do if I still haven't made that connection or it's breaking my heart to see my child not being able to connect with peers because they want to, but don't know how to. And so connection for you is understanding more of your child, like not just the verbal communication, but understanding how your child works uh, or plays or, um, yeah. And I think that's really huge for families to learn because it's not easy. I'm like, I'm, for example, my daughter's 25 and I feel like I'm still learning things that I didn't quite get, you know, for example, she has expressive language delay. And um, so sometimes just right, all of those things, it's just, it's funny how it comes into play and how it's not always shown up in school, you know what I mean? Like, or they, they gloss over it. So anyways, I think it's important for families to really understand how their child plays best, how they learn best. So mm -hmm. That's, that's I agree. I agree. And play really is our foundation to early learning. And this is where where we miss this gap, right? Our toddlers go from the babies, but most of the time, what are we doing? We're either talking to them, right? We're doing motheries with them and we're just loving on them. And then we are playing with them and doing with them. And then that shift happens, right? That shift happens between toddler and school age to where all of the stuff that they learn during play, that's foundational. You think about the foundational things that you learn during play. You learn um, spatial relations. You learn your prepositions. You learn cooperation. You also, if you're pretty savvy, can make learning colors in a fun way, not just drilling and saying, what color is this? But maybe I'm going to I'm going to drive the red car. Which car are you going to drive? Oh, you're going to drive the blue one. That's a very great choice. Right. And so you can build all those things in there. That's pre academics happening. But once that shift happens to school age, everything is academia. And so we really want to be careful with enforcing like the pre-academic stuff through play and make sure that it's about play to where when they do go to school, they can then be open to learning the academic stuff because also the imagination is happening. Exploration is happening. Pretending is happening. If you're reading every day, then you're creating a really smart child because then vocabulary is building up. And even for our kiddos with expressive language delays, we're still exposing them to new vocabulary. And for our kiddos who have a diagnosis of autism, we're also developing theory of mind. How do I see from somebody else's perspective? 
how do I feel from another person's perspective? Even if it's something as simple as the very hungry caterpillar. Oh my gosh, how do you think he felt at the end? How do you think he felt? Is he full? Is his belly full? What's your belly feel like after you eat? We can ask those questions and we can really get in there and build that foundation to where when they go to school, they might still need the time, but at least there's it's not new and there's some level of understanding. And we haven't left them to the device. That's a whole nother story. We haven't left them to the device to where it misses out on all that important stuff that we get through the beauty of communication. Now I haven't seen your book, so does your book break that down too? Like in little little tips, like I wish it was quick and on the go. But <laughs> you well, it's still good, right? It's I got everything in there that can at least help parents move along, right? Yes, absolutely. At least open their eyes to certain things because you're talking toddlers; they haven't experienced everything, you know. I mean, so they're still learning and they're growing with their with their child as well. So that's awesome that you have something like that, a quick and easy go-to guide. Anything else that you wanted to bring up that I did not ask you about? Um, I think my recommendation is just love your child, learn your child. And even if they aren't what you expected them to be, there's beauty and there's purpose in every child. And what you do with them and how you engage them and how you react to them and showing them a lot of grace and showing yourself a lot of grace is going to last a lifetime. And I encourage you just let those inhibitions go three to five minutes a day. Just sit down, enjoy yourself and play. Oh, I love that. That's a great idea. All right. So now just quick, cause I want to ask you because oh, uh, Sorry, on my website. <laughs> well, wait, I'm going to ask you that too. And well, I, on your website, no, I want to, I want to be, have them be able to go on your website. You call everybody sugar. Is that what you call the kids? It's a little sugar because they're so cute and they smell like cookies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, what is she referring to all the little kids as sugar? So that's cute. I like that. And then I actually really, I printed out one. What was it? The trust. I like that. I can't remember my, I didn't write it down, but anyways, there was one that you just said that I was like, oh, I love that. So you guys check out her blog, check out her book, tell them where to find you. So you can find me at either I've got this kid.com and there you can find my podcast, you can find the book, you can find all kinds of good stuff there, or you could go to iHeartSpeechTherapy.com where you can find my blog and other information there. Yeah, I think that I went to iHeartSpeechTherapy and saw your blog and so check that out. So that was very nice. I enjoyed it. And um, but it was very um, nice meeting you. I'm excited to be able to share. I think you have some great tips. I really like the connection, the way that you're describing it. I like that. Um, I can't thank you enough for being with us. And I, I'm gonna, we're gonna sign off. I can't thank everybody for being with us. Um, thank you for tuning in today. And in case no one has told you today, you're doing a great job. It's hard work. Be good to you. And I will talk to you soon.